Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Three days, 259 picks. The 2023 NFL Draft is officially in the books. This is with the First Pick Podcast. I'm Ryan Wilson. This is our general manager, Rick Spielman. More than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as a general manager. And this is Czar of the Playbook and part-time leprechaun, Emery Hunt. We're here to talk to you guys about everything that's happened over the last three days. i got to get these jabs in because Emery has some, some stuff in store for me. Uh, so we're going to start at the top, talk about some of the biggest takeaways. We'll take a look around at each division about what we liked and what we didn't like. And let's get things started. The first thing I want to get to, and, and Rick will come to you first, we had a run on quarterbacks. I think by the end of the day, 15 went off the board. You have to go back to 2016 to find that many quarterbacks. And some of the names I'll mention to you, you can tell me what you think about them. Jake Hayner went in the fourth round, the first quarterback after the top five in days one and two, followed by Stetson Bennett to the Rams, fourth round pick 128, and then Aiden O'Connell uh, to the Raiders later in that same round. Any of those names stick out to you? Any guys that went later that perhaps you were surprised to see go off the board? No, I was excited about Jake Hayner because I thought he was the best of the rest after the top five went out. And when you watched him on tape, He's not as athletic as you want. He's got a strong enough arm, but it's not a rocket arm. But he just has a natural feel for the position. He can move around in the pocket. He can find open windows. He does everything you want a quarterback to be, even though he's a little bit physically limited. So, and it turns out that Adrian Martinez also just signed as an undrafted free agent with, with your your Detroit Lions. So uh, that is also something else to keep in mind. And Emory, I'll ask you, we look at this, this list here and these we have what are traditional pocket passers. We have players that are more athletic, like, like Max Duggan and then Stetson Bennett. But let's talk about Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who I liked a lot as we got through the draft process. I thought he got better each and every year. He completed nearly 60, 70% of his passes, excuse me, last year for UCLA. Ran in the four fives, has a really good arm. What do you like about his game? And it feels like a pretty good fit in Cleveland, right? Yeah, because when you look at what he does, well, he does a great job in just playing off script. When you're talking about off script, you're talking about when things break down. Can he do a great job of finding success in the passing game. We know he could do a great job with his legs. He does a great job with his arm working touchdown to check down. And what was interesting about his game, he knows when to decide to take off and run. You go back to that first game of the season against Bowling Green where he just took off for a 70-yard touchdown run, had a great week of work at the East-West Shrine Bowl. And this is a situation where Cleveland loves athletic quarterbacks. They love guys that can get out on the move, and he's someone that can not only do those things, but I feel like he's a gamer, just like Jake Hanner is. And Adrian Martinez, one tidbit, he was also drafted earlier in the spring by the USFL New Jersey General. So he has options. And that's the thing, Rick. Emory is our guy for all things football, not just NFL and college. He knows if they're playing football somewhere on planet Earth, <laughs> he knows about them. So that's a good little tidbit there. And finally, I will mention uh, the Packers in the fifth round took Sean Clifford. Shout out to uh, our guy, 
producer Ryan Stryker. All right, let's talk about some of these division-by-division division teams, and we'll start in the NFC East. And Rick will come to you because we're going to talk about the Eagles. Let's, tell, uh, let's start with what you thought was the best pick by any team of your choice, uh, excuse me, by the Philadelphia Eagles. What was the best, the best pick for you? It'd have to be the first pick they took, Jalen Carter. And I understand all the issues that we talked about through this whole process the last couple weeks. You know, the incident, the unfortunate incident uh, with the two young lives being lost and blessings to their family. Uh, the poor pro day, uh, everything. Then telling everybody, unless you're in the top 10, I'm not coming to visit you. So those were things that were red flags. But when you go to the Philadelphia Eagles and you have already half the Georgia team there yeah. and all the support that they need, they got a very strong locker room, a very strong culture. They'll be able to bring this kid in and have him fit in what they're doing. So I thought it was a great pick, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being rookie of the year. Ooh, that's pretty sharp. Anything that sticks out to you about Jalen Carter and what he needs to do to fit into that locker room, given all that he's gone through over the last few months? He has to perform. You go out yeah. there and play games and, and play really well. If he's able to do that, then everything else will fall into place. Because I know that was one of your concerns, Rick. Does this guy play consistently all throughout the game, all throughout the season? If that's the case, then, yeah, it'll work out for him. Would you say uh, a situation like that is where that's where a guy can – Get the, uh, hit the ground running in terms of... Oh, yeah, of because he's going to a very strong leadership group. And when they signed back Cox and they signed back Brandon Graham, those guys are the ones that set the culture. Those guys are the leader of the football team. So when you fall in line with them, uh, N'Kobe Dean, who will end up being a starter this year, and he was aces across the board last year when he came out. So when you have a strong group of leaders, they will teach them what it is to be a pro. And if they teach them what it is to be a pro, watch out. There's no one that's going to be able to block them. 25 Georgia Bulldogs drafted the last two years. That almost certainly is a record. I haven't checked, but I feel like it is. Eagles matched a draft record by selecting five players from one school in a two-year span. Obviously, Bulldogs as well. Let's go to the commanders here, Rick. I love what they did with their first two picks. Let's start with Jartavius Martin. He goes by Quan. Uh, Got lost in the mix, so to speak, because he's playing on the same field as Devin Witherspoon, but he's a really good football player. Maybe lost in the mix to you, but not <laughs> lost in the mix to me. So I know you do, and you, and you do like 50,000 guys. Who but told you how about can you? How can you lose this guy? Who told you about Quan Martin? <laughs> Emery did. Uh, <laughs> good one, Rick. <laughs> what do you like about him? Yeah, no, when you watch him, you know, you're watching Witherspoon, you're watching Sidney Brown. All of them are great players, but when you watch Quan Martin, he plays over the slot. He can play free safety. He actually lined up outside and can play corner. Weak safety class, so when he has the opportunity to go in and probably start at free safety, definitely a need. They lost Epps, so he's got an opportunity to go in and start right now at free safety and also help them as a Nick. So they filled two huge needs on a very stacked roster. So you can see here the second round pick, 47th overall, Jartavis Martin, who goes by Quan. And then your hidden gem, Braden Daniels at Utah. He played outside. Perhaps he has to play inside. Ricky offers that versatility, right? Yeah, no, when you watch this kid, he was a left tackle at Utah, and there's no question about his athleticism. But when watch how hard he plays. He tries to finish dudes off all the time. And I think it's almost over-aggressive. So once he learns how to settle down and control his emotions, I think he's going to slide inside the guard. And I think he can even play center because he's that type of athlete. But what he does on the field, you can't coach. And that's the effort and energy you play with to finish. And just the guy is filled with grit and toughness. Yeah, and this feels like a solid draft. Of course, we say that about a lot of these teams at this point in the process. We'll find out in the coming months and years. But, hey. A lot of good things to celebrate for these teams and these teams' fans. Let's move to the Giants. 
And again, a team that had a really good draft coming off a great season where they didn't do a whole bunch of free agency last year and they're still able to make the progress they made with Daniel Jones and Brian Dable. Rick, best pick for you in your mind for the New York Giants. My guy that I've been crowing about all season long, John Michael Schmitz, yeah. yeah. And his background and what he did uh, at the University of Minnesota has that wrestling background. He's big, he's athletic. Uh, he's another guy that plays with a lot of grit and toughness, extremely smart. I had some issues with him a little early when we were down this, uh, during the season on his ability and pass protection. And if he was athletic enough, there's no question about what he's going to do in the run game. And he can fit in any scheme, zone, outside zone, gap scheme. But when this dude locks onto you, he's going to take you to the ground. And you see it here on a lot of these highlights. So, but the, what got me so excited about him is when he was in a one-on-one drills down at the senior bowl he did a phenomenal job and i thought he was one of the top offensive linemen out of that all-star game you came out of that senior bowl with a lot of players you liked that ended up on on the giants i'm gonna ask our running back here uh emory about eric gray a guy that you also like rick out of oklahoma we'll get your attention about eric gray who ended up going on day three but feels like he can contribute right away it was the fluidity and when you think about how brian debo runs that offense he wants to get a lot of backs involved and when you have the ability to be a quick starter you don't need volume you're able to have success right out of the gate you're going to play a lot in that offense and i wanted to ask rick when you see john michael schmidt and you know there's a significant need at center how tempted are you to take that guy in the first round as opposed to trying to wait and get him in later in the draft? Yeah, well, not where the Giants were picking, so I knew. But you have to have a feel for where all these guys are going to go in the draft and what teams ahead of you need that. But they were very patient. I thought Joe Shine did an excellent job holding, holding, holding. <laughs> Got him! So then that's all part of the draft, too, and part of the draft when you're a general manager. But Eric Gray was one of the funnest running backs that I watched. Not only is he quick, he's elusive. Maybe the biggest knock on him of his open field speed and the finish, uh, you know, long home runs. He's a great singles, doubles hitter. He's extremely violent when he runs. He's going to run through contact, gets a lot of yards after contact, and catch the ball out of the backfield. Everything you want in a running back, and I think he's going to be a major contributor to the New York Giants. You know, with him and Saquon Barkley in the backfield, that's going to be pretty special. It's funny to think that we were watching Eric Ray and John Michael Schmidt at the Senior Bowl. It feels like it was like two weeks ago. It was back in late January, early February. This process is over draft-wise, but it's just beginning for these young men. Let's move to the Dallas Cowboys. A really special moment when Deuce Vaughn got drafted. His dad is on staff there. Hugs all around. He shed some tears, so that was special. But I want to talk to you, Rick, about the best pick in your mind that the Dallas Cowboys made over this three-day stretch. Yeah, they had a lot of solid picks. But uh, Overshow and the linebacker out of Texas, he is a Dan Quinn-type player. He was a safety that moved up to linebacker. You see the progress he's made from 21 to this past year. Naturally instinctive for the position. Excellent size for the, the uh, Will linebacker position. He can run. He's instinctive to find a ball. He's an excellent in coverage. Biggest knock on him. Probably needs to learn how to take on better. But when Dan Quinn gets a hold of these athletes with this type of instinct, he finds homes for him, and he'll use them in a way that will shine on all of his positives and strengths. A player that doesn't have any trouble taking on people is your hidden gem out of San Jose State, the edge rusher, Viemi Fihoko. And let's be honest. Junior. He goes by Junior. Goes by Junior. Junior Fihoko. Our guy, Pete Prisco, was the first to bring up Fihoko, and, and he liked this young man a lot. Young man for you. Yeah, there we go. Number 2255. And he's now made your hidden gem. So... <laughs> 
I guess one of the hidden yeah. is Pete Prisco, and now it's Junior Fee. Yeah, I got to give Pete credit. He says, Rick, you got to watch this guy. So I went and put the tape on him, and I would, this is, please, this is a compliment. He is like <laughs> a bull in a china shop. And what I mean by that, he plays with his hair on fire every snap. He's going to give him some edge rush. Uh, he can beat you with his quickness. I don't think he's going to athletically test like you want, but the way this guy plays football, though how hard he works to get to the ball, his motor never stops. Again, another great pick for Dan Quinn and the Dallas Cowboys. By the way, the first round pick, Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. First Cowboys defensive tackle draft in the first round. You got to know who since 1991? Russell, Maryland. Look at this you guy. You know who that was supposed to be? Rocket Ishmael. This guy came prepared. That leprechaun didn't mess around at the end of that rainbow. All right, let's go to the NFC North. I'm coming at you, Emory. I'm coming. <laughs> Cut Emory's mic. All right, here we go. NFC North. Uh, this is still you, Rick. You're going to give us your best pick. Let's start with the Chicago Bears, who had a, an interesting first round. We talked about that last night on With the First Pick podcast. They traded down, took Darnell Wright, had an opportunity to get Jalen Carter, ended up getting Jervon Dexter later. Curious, but maybe it works out for them. We'll find out. But in terms of what happened, here on day three what's your best pick of this entire draft class yeah well when you look at what they needed they definitely needed a new right tackle and uh, Darnell Wright is probably the most physical out of all these offensive linemen that went early in the first round uh, he had a great game against Will Anderson uh, shut him out in pass protection uh, when he was on the left side I had him as a Saturday pick when you watched him in 21 moved over to the right side and he ends up being a top 10 pick I think he's going to be a day one starter when he comes in. I thought they may have looked at left tackle, but Braxton Jones, who they drafted yep. last year in the fifth round, ended up being a pleasant surprise. But this kid's going to be a tone setter up front for them. I talked to a team that thought that maybe Darnell Wright had an opportunity to play left tackle at the next level. And, and although he didn't do great in that position in 2021, he has gotten better and older. So we'll see what the, the uh, Bears end up doing. Either way, it's a great pick, even if they had to trade down and pass on Jalen Carter. Emory, I'm going to come to you first because we're going to talk with Rick's hidden gem here. And Rick will get your thoughts in a second. This is one of my favorite players. I love this guy going back to the fall. We talked about him last night. In fact, Roshan Johnson, the running back out of Texas. Why do you like him? So versatile, man. And here's the thing. I'm not an advocate for taking your best player off the field. But when you think about the fact that he came into Texas as a quarterback and now you're opening up your playbook inside the high red zone, low red zone, some wildcat situations, Roshan Johnson can do it all. He can, he can run the ball. He can catch. He can block and pass pro and does a great job as a kickoff and punt returner if he's asked to play special team, which he does well. So, Rick, maybe it was too rich for, obviously, for the Bears' blood and other teams, and maybe even for you, but I had him as a late second rounder. I liked him that much. Is fourth round feel about right, or should he gone earlier? No, I thought he was a Friday talent, so, okay. uh, but I know you've been crowing about him ever since <laughs> I Get him, Rick. back. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's on your list. He's yeah, he, he made the list. That's and, right. and I watched him, and when you think of Monsters of the wood Midway, yeah. you think of this type player. November, December, when it's cold, rainy, snowy, Give this monster the ball, and he's going to churn out yards for you. And he's the type of back that the more touches he gets, the better he's going to wear defenses down. So he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's going to help you on special teams. Like you said, they use him as a kickoff returner. I think he's just a safe kickoff returner. But this kid's going to be a very good football player. Montgomery signed with the Detroit Lions. So they needed another back that can ground and pound, and this guy fits that bill. All right, let's now move to the favorites to win the NFC North. Your Detroit Lions, that's right. They had a, I've been saying this a lot, but they really did have a phenomenal draft. And I'm going to tell you why, Rick. 
Colby Sorsdahl. Shout out to the offensive lineman from William & Mary. That was a fantastic pick. Might end up being a Hall of Famer. I'm very happy for that young man. Shout out to the tribe. Rick, let's go with your – he didn't make your best Did you pick somehow. school there? I may have. <laughs> Did may you have. play sports? I did. Played baseball. Was not very good. <laughs> That's why I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> you were a straight line guy. I was a, a no-hit, no-field middle infielder. Yeah, okay. And that's how you end up here. What the hell happened to you, Emery? I was the slowest, most injury-prone running back in University yeah. of Louisiana. They, they put together an all-star team oh, we got today, didn't they? We're good to go here. Yeah. Look, we ain't even winning the three-on-three basketball tournament no. with our coworkers. So all. We got a lot of work to do. So, Sorstall didn't make your best pick for the Detroit Lions. Tell us who did. Yeah, Sam Laporta. And I think he is probably – and maybe the best tight end out of this class before it's said and done. I talked to a lot of people out there. Some even think he's a poor man's George Kittle. This is a tough, aggressive football player, loves the block. He needs to get a little stronger, underrated as a pass catcher and underrated as an athlete after he makes the catch and get it upfield. And I know he had a great combine. He had a great pro day. He ascended through this whole pre-draft process. And he didn't get a lot of balls. I mean, he was an expert on out routes because that's the only thing the quarterback can throw there. But he can catch an out route. But I think he's going to be more than just an out route catcher. And I think it's going to get Jared Goff another weapon. And he's going to replace Hawkinson. And that's the thing you have to remember when you're evaluating these players. I'm talking primarily to myself. When they're playing in a bad offense, it's sometimes hard to get an idea of who they may be. And you have to be able to project that and figure that out. They beat South Dakota State 6-3. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> On a lot of levels. That's like if us, if we were playing for Iowa, we might be their best players, even though we're, we're limited athletically, as uh, Rick likes to say. Rick, what do I need to work on? Everything. My degree. My degree is the answer. Oh, yeah, my degree. I, I use that up there in the uh, green room. All right, what's your, uh, what's your hidden gem for the Lions? And they have a lot of them. Yeah, no, I thought they did a great job. And I think I can't remember if you or Pete uh, gave me this little nugget to look at this lad. Uh, the defensive tackle, Broderick Martin, out of Western Kentucky. He is a giant of a man, and when you watch him on tape, he cannot be moved off at the point. He needs to get his pads down a little lever, especially when he's going to play at this level, but he's strong, he's athletic enough to separate, locate the ball, and he's not going to be a dominant pass rusher. He's more of a two-down nose, but when he gets an opportunity to play, and they struggled on defense last year, Aaron Glenn's defense, they lot a lot like a lot of big two-gap nose-type tackles up there, and I think he's definitely going to help solidify the run defense for him. Along with Akeem the Dream McNeil, they got at NC State a few yeah. years ago. All right, let's go to Green Bay and the Packers, who are going to be for the first time in a long time without Brett Favre and or Aaron Rodgers. And have they done things to help youngish quarterback Jordan Love? Let's start with your favorite pick, Rick. Is it an offensive help, or are we going to the other side of the ball? I'm going defense. I'm going right. to go with the Packer theme. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> there was no way they were going to take an offensive nah. player in the first round. And the guy I like is a football player. I should say Love is a football player. It's amazing how many Iowa guys came out, yet they didn't play as well as you thought. <laughs> right. But uh, Lucas Van Ness, he's going to give them everything they want. He's a multi-position player, hasn't nearly reached how good he's going to be as an NFL prospect. He's another one that when you went through the process, he blew out the combine. He had a phenomenal pro day. He can play defensive end. You see him inside, play defensive tackle. Gary is coming off an ACL and getting a little older. So I think when we interviewed him, yep. and I had an opportunity to talk with him with you on the, uh, before the draft, he said most teams looked at him as a defensive end because there was some question on do you put him 300 pounds on him and move him inside or do you keep him out at end? 
everybody that he said he talked to is going to keep him at defensive end. He even played from a two-point, so he's got a lot of position flexibility, a lot of versatility. Uh, everybody's knocking him a little bit because he didn't start down at Iowa, but he has the highest ceiling out of any of these, uh, these young guys coming out early in the draft from the defensive standpoint. He'll be playing in the NFC. He also told us he couldn't wait to face Patrick Mahomes, so they may have to come to the oh, Super wow. Bowl. So uh, be careful what you ask for, I guess, but we'll, we'll all find out together. Do you remember who he said he went up against in high school that uh, opened his eyes for the first time? So in high school, he faced Peter Skaronski, and he said Peter Skaronski taught him some very valuable lessons early on in his football career. Peter Skaronski ended up going to the Titans in the first round. He's going to be day one starter as well along the offensive line. That's 21 straight drafts that the Packers have not selected a running back, wide receiver, or tight end in the first round. But, Rick, they have a track record in round two of getting some wide receivers. Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, and Randall Cobb among them. Who do you like as your hidden gem going to Green Bay? Yeah, I love this slot receiver, Jalen Reed. And he's out of Michigan State. Uh, he's going to be a slot. He's an explosive playmaker underneath. Reminded me a little bit about Randall Cobb and that type of athlete. Uh, he can make plays after the catch. Uh, he made some highlight catches down the field, even though he's a small target. The biggest thing I really liked about him, he's going to give them some returnability as well. So when you can get these smaller slots that can also help you in a return game and give you some explosive. Now let's take a look at what Green Bay has done. They got two young receivers, right? Dobbs and uh, Watson from There's last year. Yep. They just drafted, La uh, not Laporta. Uh, they got Musgrave. 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 Yeah. Musgrave and Kraft. Yep. Now they got a slot receiver. They're all going to grow together with Jordan Love. So this is like a reset, but a lot of very talented football players on the offensive side of the ball to grow together. If you're Aaron Rodgers, are you looking the same? Wait a second. What, what are you doing fixing the offense now? That Aaron Rodgers didn't want to play with all the young guys. He wanted all his old okay. guys. All right. Fair enough. He might still be asking questions, I would, I would imagine. All right, let's go to Minnesota Vikings, a team that Rick has some experience with. And Again, they, they, they hit some home runs here to help out that offense, especially at the top. Who was your favorite pick in this draft class? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with their first-round pick, Jordan Addison. Mm. He is the most explosive route runner in this year's draft. Uh, reminded me a lot of Devontae Smith when uh, I saw him coming out. Ran the same, about the same size. They lost Adam Thielen. He was a cap casualty. K.J. Osborne is a very good uh, third receiver, but they don't have a number two. Justin Jefferson? He's going to get a lot of double teams, so this kid's going to get a lot of balls thrown his way. He's going to make an immediate impact for that offense. The seventh Vikings wide receiver drafted in the first round since 1998. That's the most in the NFL over that span. I can name Laquan Treadwell and Justin Jefferson. Did any come to mind immediately you took in the first round wide receiver-wise, or is that it for you? I think those were the two. Okay, so they came before you got there. I think Randy Moss, I think he had a pretty good career, yeah. if I remember correctly, when he was drafted. I believe he was, a, was he a rookie in 1998, is that right? 98, yeah. Yep. I knew you would know him. All right, let's go to your hidden gem for this Minnesota Vikings football team. There's a lot to choose from here. Maybe you're going with my guy, Jaron Hall, who I like coming out of BYU? No. Okay, who you got? Yeah. Well, we had to turn us in. The producer said we had to turn us in because there were a couple of hidden gems. I love the kid from uh, the running back from UAB. I thought that was a great find. But I went with Jay Ward at the time. And Jay Ward is another one of those multi-positional defensive backs. He's played some Nick. I think he's going to end up being a free safety. What sticks out to me the most about him is his instincts and awareness and zone coverage. He's good enough to come up. He's not afraid to hit. I think he plays with a lot of savvy, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to play multi-positions and be a very good, solid backup and special team player for him. 
Again, this is a pretty solid draft from start to finish. I thought Makai Becton, excuse me, might have been drafted a little too high, but, but we'll find out. That's the whole point of the draft process. All right, Rick, you're still on the clock here. Before we get to Emory, uh, we'll hit a break. Uh, but first, let's turn to the NFC South and that little team in Charlotte, North Carolina, Carolina Panthers. They Are you guys going to participate in the podcast, or is this? Uh, am I going to do this? This, this for the is whole you hour? in the hot seat, Rick. Uh, Rick let's show. see. Rick is talking too much. Okay. <laughs> well, it's up to you, I suppose, is what we're saying here. But uh, you, you, listen, you're the brains of the operation. Emery's the, the looks. I don't, I don't know what my role is here to facilitate, I suppose. But Carolina Panthers traded up from nine to number one to secure that first overall pick. Uh, it was Bryce Young all the time. It feels like that's what ultimately ended up happening. Is he going to be the best pick in your mind for this for this team? I have no doubt about it. Okay. Going down to the NFC South, and if he wasn't 5'10", he weighed, again, I'll say that for the thousandth time, over 200 pounds, even though Pete Prisco and you are going to argue with me about that. He didn't play at 200. Yeah, but he is a phenomenal player. He checked every box as we went through the pre-draft process. This guy for 5'10", has a phenomenal ability to slide in the pocket, find open windows. He reminded me, I know we made the Steph Curry type comparisons, but some of the throws he makes uh, in his vision reminded me, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but looks a lot like Patrick Mahomes in his body mannerisms out there. So every time this kid had an opportunity to get on the big stage, he answers the question, and I don't have any doubt that he'll answer the question when he starts day one for the Carolina Panthers. Emery is, in your mind, Bryce Young better than Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones coming out? It's funny. I think he's better than Mac Jones, but I would say he's a right-handed Tua. They both have that oh. quick release, quick release great accuracy. The difference between Bryce Young and Tua. Okay, let's go back to the Rick Spillman show. You got your <laughs> opportunity later on the show. I, I okay. love that Young does a great job of um, being able to be dynamic. That's where he separates himself from Tua, so that's why I would have him highly graded than Tua. But they throw with that same quick delivery. Their accuracy is where it needs to be. But I also feel like Bryce Young would separate himself from two of that. He doesn't shy away from the big moment. I keep going back yeah. to the Auburn game where they're backed up 98 yards. He drives them down the field to tie the game to push them to overtime, which they subsequently win in the Iron Bowl. So I like him. He plays above the X's and O's. And it's someone that, to me, is a plus one in the run game, more so than Tua. So you like him better than Tua? I like him better than Tua. Thank you. Stylistically, he's a right-handed Tua. <laughs> you know how you're talking with your grandma and you just agree so you can move on to the next conversation? Yeah, that's, that's true. You just got to agree with Rick. <laughs> yeah, just say yes so we can <laughs> yeah. get through the show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all night, trust me. All right, Rick, uh, Hidden Gem. Maybe you go with Jonathan Mingo, who uh, got drafted. He in wasn't a hidden gem. We, we were supposed to, if you listen to the assignment, get him, it says Hidden Gem. So I went with a non-combine offensive okay. lineman. Who'd you go with? Go ahead. You're the you're the host I, of the show. I was We're just to, here as supporting <laughs> actors. I was trying to get there, but you you had some thoughts you needed to share. So, we appreciate those thoughts and uh, <laughs> let's get to it. Is it time for a break yet, Striker? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jonathan Mingo is a player that I like a lot. Uh, not a hidden gem in Rick's eyes. Uh, he's going to be a good, a fine young player. Who is your hidden gem <laughs> out, of, out of NC State who did not? Savala. Chandler Savala, the offensive Zavala. guard out of North Carolina State, and he's a big. Massive human being. He's another one that's very physical point in the run game. When he locks on you, he's going to try to finish you and torque you to the ground. Some issues a little bit when he gets out of position and pass protection, uh, if he has enough athletic skills to recover. But I think this guy is going to come in, and for a non-combine guy, I think he's going to compete for a starting uh, guard position for them next year. You like T.J. Johnson a lot as well. Yes, who, I did. Who was drafted 80th overall, edge rusher out of Oregon. Fun fact for Chandler Zavala, his dad, two-time winner on Chopped. So mm. 
He knows his way around the kitchen, I would imagine. It looks like it. It looks like <laughs> it. There you go. I, I throw the alley-oop, you just dunk it. It's that easy, Rick, if you let me do my job. <laughs> All right, let's go down to Atlanta, where Rick spends a lot of his time traveling through that Atlanta airport. And the Falcons, you have some, maybe you'll visit this, this guy when you get down there tomorrow. Uh, who's your best pick for the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, I'm going to go Bijan Robinson. Check. Let's move on to the gem, because there's no question that he's a top-five talent, and they did follow their board, they took a top five talent. We've talked about him to death. I mean, he does everything. It's hard to poke any holes in his game when you're watching it on tape. Atlanta Falcons are going to be very explosive on the offensive side of the ball with everything they've been able to do in the draft the last couple of years. And this one is going to take him over the top. All right, I'm going to ask a, a question that could potentially send Rick over the edge. Emery, who was your running back one? My running back one was Jameer Gibbs, but is. you know what's even another fascinating thing? I thought tidbit? it was Deuce Vaughn. No, he was three, oh. but he shouldn't be number one <laughs> in my eyes. If my comp for B. John Robinson yeah. was right there, Cedric Benson. I felt like he was a more shiftier, explosive Cedric Benson. I just like the fact that he runs consistently and goes downhill, doesn't waste time. Healthier than Cedric Benson. Very much healthier, and yes. also a better receiver, too. Yes. So, All right, let's go to your... I don't uh, like that comp. <laughs> Yeah, it, we, that's taken as red. You don't need to vocalize those thoughts. All right, let's go to your hidden gem. And I think this player, Rick, out of Utah, Clark Phillips III, had he run faster, would have certainly got drafted higher. He plays faster than what he timed. Yeah, no, he was another fun player to watch on tape. He has unique ball skills for a small corner. He played outside in the Pac-10 and did a phenomenal job covering those receivers. He's tough. He's gritty. He'll come up and support. Where he fell was because he didn't run fast enough at the combine. When you got a small corner that's quicker than fast, automatically as a general manager and as a scout, you guys are technically scouts. I'll take it. And you're going to put him in as the Nick. And he's going to cover the slot receivers. And the way he plays the game, how smart, how intelligent he is, he's going to be a starter of the Nick for them. Rick, quick question. How much tape has to be good for you to overlook size limitations for it because again Bryce Young and you have Cam Phillips like what the tape has to look there, like. There are exceptions to the rule. I think these two are exceptions to the rule but you can't have a whole team of exceptions to the rule. So each one got one exception <laughs> to the rule. That's a nice little segue because now we're going down to Tampa Bay where they took Elijah Kane in the first round. His shortcoming is literally short arms. And then they circle back and get Cody Mock, one of our favorite players out of North Dakota State, the offensive tackle who will kick inside, who also has short arms. So that goes against your theory there, Rick. Yeah. Stryker, is there any chance we can put up that graphic that we had up there last night? That's <laughs> we're sitting there. Your new host. There it is. He okay. had it ready to go. <laughs> Mock draft. Okay. I have to tell you something. Yeah is that I woke up at 3 in the morning in sweats, <laughs> and I was drenched because I thought Cody Mock ate you last night. <laughs> and I had actually sat next to him today. And it, like I couldn't get fan. out of it. You wonder why I was late for breakfast today? Uh, you were in Cody Mock's belly. There you go. <laughs> but you like him? Yeah, no, he's a tough, excellent football player. Uh, left tackle, I think he can play tackle, guard, center. He can play all five positions. He showed up down at the senior bowl. Even though he was a left tackle, they moved him inside the guard. When you see these FBS kids come up and get an opportunity to go against the big boys at the senior bowl, he didn't bat an eye. Mm -hmm. And what was amazing about it is that was probably the first time in his career he moved inside to play guard. It was amazing that what he was able to do and how quickly he adjusted to it. And he was one of the top offensive linemen down there. So I refer to and asked you this last night. Tampa Bay took another 
small school player that lives up in your neck of the woods. Who was that and what ended up happening with him? Ali Marpet, fantastic football player, won a Super Bowl ring, retired um, on his own accord, but after a great career. All right, let's get to your hidden gem and a couple names to choose from of guys that I liked. Payne Durham is an opportunity for you to, to speak on him, or even Lijay Duzable, our, our colleague. His guy, Jose Ramirez, got drafted I'm there. I'm not talking about him. He's not round. a hidden right. gem. <laughs> I was going to do you a favor and pronounce his name, but Stryker, the producer, says, let's see what Rick has. All right, Rick, what do you got? Who is your hidden gem for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Servassier. Dennis. He got it. Oh, my God. Can I God. get a bump or anything? You get a fist bump. Yeah, first time. We're we'll never the, really we'll together. We'll do the, I know, right? Servatier, Servatier, Servatier. <laughs> All right, tell us about it. You got the name right. Yeah, he is an undersized linebacker, very instinctive, makes plays from tackle to tackle, excellent range. I think he is good enough athlete in coverage, but when you got draft guys like these, you know they're probably going to be Nick Dime-type linebackers, but they're going to be uh, – let me see how I can say that on TV. Aces on special teams. And so you have to remember when you're drafting, especially linebackers, tight ends, uh, safeties, the big skill guys, they have to come in and contribute on special teams. And I think sometimes everybody gets so, what are they going to do offense? What are they going to do defense? But special teams, you got to take into account when you draft these guys. And I think this guy is going to be one heck of a special team player as well for them. All right, let's go down to the home state of Emory Hunt, Louisiana, and check out what the New Orleans Saints did with their best pick in your eyes. Rick, who are you going with? Uh, I'm going with Brian Brzee. All right. How, how's my pronunciation you going today? You're, Fantastic you're a job. first-round pick on names, and you came into the league with some questions. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to get drafted with the names, but you've made some progress. You worked hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went wrong. <laughs> Is it Willison? <laughs> yeah, you sound like uh, Key and Peele. <laughs> All right, Balake, yeah. what do you got? Uh, if you look at the 21 tape on Brzee, there's no question that he could have probably been a top-ten pick understanding, went through the ACL injury, the tragedy of the death of his sister, but he's athletic, he can play the run. I think he'd be a dominant inline pass rusher as he learns and grows into the position. And I think they got a steal here where they ended up picking him. Yeah, and you think his best football is certainly ahead of him. And when he was healthy and, and had his mind where on the football field, he was a special talent. But as you know, Rick, he went through some, some tough things over the last few years. So hopefully that's behind him and the, the good football's ahead of him. Let's talk about your hidden gem here. I'll give you some options. Nick Saldaveri at ODU, he had a really good senior bowl. He was okay. I loved him. <laughs> Jordan Howden, you told me about him and that you liked him. Let's see if you still like him. When I say I like him, he's an option here. Uh, or maybe even the, the, the guy sandwiched between them. Jake Hayner, the quarterback out of Fresno, who's your guy? Well, I'm going to go with Jake Hayner, and we talked about him at the top of the show, so I don't want to repeat myself, but I think he is Case Keenum. He's going to be yeah. an excellent backup. He can go in and win games for you as he grows into position. Really like how he plays. Let me ask you quickly before we take a break here. Do you draft him here uh, in the fourth round and – have an eye on him potentially starting down the road or just let's see how it plays out and go from there. I, th I think let's bring him in let's see what happens because a lot of these guys you don't know right you know and I know they went out and sound or signed Derek Carr so he has an opportunity to learn for a couple of uh, seasons behind him and let's see what happens but I think he has all the natural savvy instincts and smarts to play the position all right Thank you, Rick. That was uh, exhaustive and exhausting. <laughs> We're gonna take a break. Who scripted this show? We should have, like, at least <laughs> <laughs> bossed it my head, man. I've, had, I've been stored up for a while. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and Emory Hunt is going to be on the clock. Tell us what he liked in his hidden gems right after this. Welcome back to With the First Pick podcast. Let's head out west. A little NFC West action. Emory, you're our guy. Let's go to Seattle first. They had 10 picks. 
uh, in this draft. Best pick for you for Seattle Seahawks. Jackson Smith and Jigba. I felt like when you think about the Seattle Seahawks and you saw what happened in the postseason when teams got frustrated with, uh, you know, what they did throwing the football, they were able to take away those options on the perimeter. And, and DK Metcalf, they got in his head. You saw them really shut down a, a beleaguered and injured um, Tyler Lockett. So when you think about Jackson Smith and Jigba, he feels a need right away. He's able to step in and play inside or outside and gives yet another vertical threat, but also an underneath threat for Geno Smith. So I thought that was a home run. I was shocked that he fell that far in a draft. Were you shocked, Rick? Because we had talked about these wide receivers potentially going as high as 10, and I think he lasted until 20. I believe that's when he went off the board around that range. Is that because they're running quarterbacks in the offensive tackles and cornerbacks, or, or is there another reason? Yeah, I think because he started the run on receivers in, so yep. the receiver run didn't start till later in the draft. So a lot of times, uh, depending on how everybody has their draft board developed, mm -hmm. and then you see teams that have the same needs, you see them come off bang, 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 bang. And that was the situation here, but the receiver run doesn't mean they're not going to be all caliber Pro Bowl great players in the NFL. It's just where the run started. Yeah, Justin Jefferson was the fifth wide receiver taken, I believe. Yes. Uh, I think he's going to be okay. We'll see. All right, let's talk about your hidden gem. The Seahawks took two guys from Michigan. Which one of these young men is your hidden gem? <laughs> Mike Moore is first because it's easier to pronounce Mike Moore. So that's number <laughs> one. And number two, I found myself being more impressed with him than I did Mozzie Smith when I was watching him on tape because I felt like he was more fundamentally sound. He played with his hands rather well, did a good job versus the run. And to me, when you're that fundamentally sound, it gets you on the field early, and Seattle needed a ton of help. So it could have been any insert defensive lineman here, and I would have been okay with it. But I felt like uh, Morris, for what he was doing for Michigan, gives him a solid foundation as a base defensive end. All right, Rick, is our first-round pick in terms of uh, pronouncing names. Tell us the Michigan center, if you don't mind. Yes, uh, the OC from Michigan. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to snap at it or do I have to tell you what No, nah, I'm going to go ahead and say number 52 or whatever number he wore. Olu, Olu Tommy. Come on, guys. I didn't get it right. Oh, that's Olu Tommy. Olu Tommy. that's easy. Yeah, there you go. Oh, here you go. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Going to Arizona, a team that's uh, in transition is one way to put it. New coach, new general manager, their quarterback is coming off the ACL injury. Uh, what do you like about what they did in this draft class to perhaps help Kyler Murray? Well, I didn't like the trade, but I do like the player in Paris Johnson. Very good offensive tackle, someone that can help out on that left side. Technically sound guy, did a great job in protecting uh, C.J. Stroud back there in the pocket. So when you're thinking about Kyler Murray coming off of a knee injury, we know he's an athletic guy, but I feel like they're going to ask him to stay in the pocket a little bit more, still be a little bit more judicious in when he runs. So for me, Paris Johnson, very good offensive line prospect, probably the best one in the class at the position. Why didn't you like the trade, just out of curiosity? Because I would have taken Will Anderson, because they need pass rush, and he was the best one in the class, in my opinion. I would have stayed Pat got the guy that can affect the game, and maybe we can find another solid tackle. Maybe not the best tackle, but we can't find another Will Anderson. Rick is our general manager here with the first pick. I think you did the math on the points, and the points usually you want, you want to be around 50? Yeah, 50 plus or minus. So what are these uh, points? And these points, uh, Arizona won the trade big time by 900 and some points, but then you see I also gave Houston C.J. Stroud, and I also gave Houston <laughs> yeah. Will Anderson. So right. if it Turns out like everybody thinks it's going to turn out. You can throw the points out the window. It's going to come down on how many games you win. Did you like that trade or no? For the, I liked for the it, but I didn't like uh, – I learned this in broadcasting boot camp. We have a tease coming up, and I'll uh, tell you the reasons uh, why I didn't like the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> the Did overall they? draft. I thought they were solid, 
But I thought they panicked a little bit because when I moved down to 12, right, and they knew that probably the run on offensive linemen was going to start at nine yeah. with the Chicago Bears, they probably tried to go up to eight, then seven, and finally they found a partner at six. Right. So they moved up, cost them a little more. But they end up getting the tackle they wanted, and that was Paris Johnson Jr. All right, let's go to your hidden gem. And, uh, Emery, I just want to say I've been talking about this young man out of Stanford <laughs> for quite some time. That's what I heard from Rick when I first introduced him to, to Rick. And I heard it at the Senior Bowl, and he slowly came around, and now he's doing the ugh because he knows that I'm right. And I'm happy, Emery, that you were going to confirm that I'm right. Who's your hidden gem? It is Michael Wilson. Check you out, Ryan, doing a great job. And, but he's my number one ex-receiver. So, I have to say this because he has to come with a caveat no. if he's healthy. Stop it. And that's the biggest key because when you try to find which game to watch, you have to see if he's on the depth chart first because he may be out of the game because of an injury. So when you think about someone like him, he can stack and track rather well, great acceleration, closes on the football, all those things you want a receiver to do. He's 6'2", 213 pounds, had a fantastic week at the Senior Bowl. Now, if you could bottle up what you saw at the Senior Bowl, health-wise, and have that for 17 games, that's great. But I understand why he went where he went because you can't depend on him for 17 weeks. So, Rick, four, five, eight, but I think you would agree he plays faster than that. So how do you how do you? Yeah, he, he plays faster than that, but he's not a speed demon. I have some issues with his drops. Uh, I know he goes up and he's big and he's, he's a possession-type receiver to me. He's always going to be covered, but he's going to have to learn how to come up more consistently with the contested 50-50 catches. Um, but he can do that. But the thing, a teaser, they took a couple of guys that are always hurt. So we'll talk about that uh, down the road here. All right, let's go to San Francisco where the 49ers didn't make their first pick until pick 87. And best pick? What are you thinking here? Is it the kicker who they took in the third round at 99th overall? Unless you go 100% for your kicks, I'm not taking a kicker like to Briscoe. be my best. Okay. But Jair Brown was one of my favorite combo safeties. This is a guy that can play free or strong. Love the ball skills, love the instincts. He's able to get over top, can be successful in a split safety look or even deep third. So for me, getting a guy like that on the back end, we saw them have issues in the secondary, in the playoffs. Seattle right out of the gate, went deep down the field. You need someone that can help take that deep ball away. And Jair Brown, to me, out of Penn State, does that. He's a lot of fun to watch. He also ran in the high four or fives. Again, he seems to play faster than that, but you don't need to run a 4-2 to play safety, and especially when you're close to the line of scrimmage doing the things he's doing here. All right, let's talk about your hidden gem, and there are several to choose from. I love Braden Willis. Uh, D. Winters has a little juice to him as well. Who are you going with? Well, there's several options, but you have there's only one Sun Best Conference option uh, in South Alabama's uh, Darryl Luter Jr. The outstanding corner, great man skills, can play on either side, boundary or field side. I like him as more of a boundary. I know the NFL game is played in the middle of the field, so uh, when I say boundary, I'm talking about his physicality with he what he does at the point of attack, at the line of scrimmage, able to jam, turn and find the football, does a great job staying in phase. So he's, to me, one of those corners that you see coming from the Sun Belt Conference that has been battle-tested because we tend to play up in that conference. And he does a great <laughs> job. So I love him. Where do you play was, up to? He play up. We, hey, listen, we're a power six conference. Like, so you talk about <laughs> South Alabama. I don't know. The Mac may be arguing with you uh, with that. Power seven. All right. right. So, <laughs> I'll give you 6.5. That's 6.5. He, so he's good. Mountain though. West, but uh, let's keep, we can keep going, but we got to get through this show. Power eight. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Luda. I think he has great ball skills. And he was another one who was very surprising down there at the Senior Bowl. Had a great week of work in one-on-ones. All right, let's go to Los Angeles where the Rams 
Uh, we're on the clock. I, I think I'm right in saying that Sean McVay has yet to have a first round pick while being the head coach of the Rams. They did pick 36. However, that is close enough. Tell me, Amy, who is your best pick for the Rams? Well, there's like 17 Byron Youngs in this draft class, but I'm gonna take the one from Tennessee. I felt 17 like, Byron Youngs, and the Rams actually had 14 picks. So oh, so they got they got a lot of them. So yeah. they probably drafted most of them. But he is someone <laughs> that does a great job getting off the ball, and his journey to where he had success was tremendous. A guy that had to fight through adversity, get on the football field, and find that continuity uh, within that defense. So for me, getting someone like they tend to do, they do a great job on the back end of the draft, which is why they're so you know, liberal to giving up their uh, first round picks or second round picks because they do a great job on the back end. And Young, to me, is a hidden gem, like what they had in Ebucom a few years ago out of Eastern Washington. The one thing you just got to respect on everything in the adversity went through, and I believe he was the GM at the General Dollar Store. Yeah. And ended up a little bit older, but to come from that to saying you're a draft pick here in the NFL is an incredible story. By the way, the Rams also had Mr. Rell this year, Dewan Johnson, defensive tackle out of Toledo. I don't think he's going to be your hidden gem, although he, he has some really good tape. Who's your guy in Los Angeles for the hidden gem? Stetson Bennett, man. When you think about Stetson Bennett, his journey, you know, the walk-on to the starter, to the two-time national champion, and he kind of fits what they have in the in the quarterback depth chart or what they used to have. John Wolford, athletic guy, throw, wells on the, throw well on the move. Um, you talk about Bryce Perkins out of Virginia, another athletic guy that threw well on the move. So Bennett fits what they want. Now it's the off-the-field things that you worry about. L.A. that you worry about with him and going out there. So if he has his head on straight, we know he can compete. We know he's a gamer, and we know he's a guy that can definitely uh, get the job done on a short notice. By the way, Rick, shout out to our guy Chris Trapasso for having Kobe Turner going much higher than we thought. He ended up going third round, 89th overall. He accepts your apology. All right, let's go <laughs> to the AFC East where Emory is taking us to uh, Florham Park? Florham Park, yeah. Florham Park. Great uh, burger place nearby the facility, too. All right. Yeah, uh, like you couldn't tell. Oh. <laughs> exactly. I, I like to pack them in. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm an eater. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you something. Emory on air and Emory off air is different, so be careful, Rick. We have an arm wrestling competition on our hands here. All right, let's go. Best pick for the New York Jets, who, by the way, and you can answer this question first if you don't mind, it felt like they got stuck when they had to take Will McDonald after the Patriots traded back, allowing the Steelers to trade up and get Broderick Jones in the first round. What do you think about that? Or they just love Will McDonald and, and was able to say, we're just going to go get our guy. Okay. You know, that's why I thought Joe Tipman was their best pick because as much as people talk about the tackle position and they love the tackle position, you got to protect the blind side, blah, 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 blah. But here's my thing. As a former running back, guards in the guard is important. I love centers that can get out on the move, expands your playbook. It helps you out in the run game. It helps you out in the passing game. And this is what he does. You talk about Wisconsin at the point of attack. You start with the pivot position. He is one of the better ones in the class. And I think the Jets got themselves a steal in Tipman. Let me, let me ask you a quick question on this, too. Because of his versatility and size and athleticism, do you think that he could potentially go out and play tackle? I don't know about tackle, but guard definitely because he's so able to move. And it, it, they're going to have to figure something out up front because you gotta, you have to be versatile because when they started to get beat up last year. When you get guys that are versatile like this, then it gives you the flexibility and the luxury of picking the best five to play. So uh, the more guys you get like this, because I do like this kid, I like the pick. Not as good as John Michael Schmitz, but I do like <laughs> him. Uh, but when you have guys like this, and we talk about this all the time, Let's just get him in here because he's the best offensive lineman, very good football player. Let's put them all together and then let the coaches decide who is the best five and at what position to go out and line up and give us the best chance to win. What would you need to see from a guy that played center to say, okay, he can play tackle? 
I don't. I, I mean, I'm just talking about. You'll probably look at different things, mm -hmm. and, and those things will be discussed. Your offensive line coach. Hey, I think this guy is long enough. He's athletic enough. Let's take a look at him at offensive tackle. And I would say, go and work him out on a private workout after his pro day. So he can go up there, work with him, see if he thinks he has the movement skills to be left tackle. I'm not saying he does. I'm just putting mm -hmm. out that theory that a lot of times we would discuss that. And if we had a question about it or the coach thought it had a very strong opinion on that, then we'd go out and send him in and do a private workout so he can come back and tell us what he thought. All right, Emory, who's your hidden gem for the Jets? I, I know I'm going chalk here, but I've been a candidate, a running back, Israel, I've been a candidate out of Pitt, mm -hmm. he's six feet, 219 pounds, and you rarely see guys with that level of explosiveness and acceleration. I think he's an underrated kickoff returner for this football team right out of the gate. And the fact that he dropped this far in the draft was shocking to me because I know our colleague Leger Dusable was going through the roof uh, running around the studio when he got selected. So I love the pick. He's explosive. He's dynamic. But it makes you wonder what is going on with Brees Hall's recovery for them to flirt with Jameer Gibbs in round one and then also double back and take a back, who's a foundational guy, in my opinion. But I love the pick here for the Jets. All right, let's go to New England, where I think it's been confirmed for the millionth time. Mac Jones will indeed be the quarterback. Uh, certainly helps not to have a defensive coordinator calling plays for him. We're moved on from there. What is your best pick for a team in New England that went heavy on defense? Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon by way of Colorado. When you talk about someone that has great man-to-man -man skills, great matchup skills, you're talking about Gonzalez. Him going this deep into the first round, I think we all got enamored where he should go top 10. I thought he should have gone to the Detroit Lions, but hey, now he finds himself in a situation where he's going to get coached by one of the best defensive minds in football and Bill Belichick. Great ball skills, great leaping ability, doesn't shy away from the moment he will match up versus the team's best receiver and does a great job in taking the ball away. Give me those guys that can score the ball and take the ball away, and he's one of those guys in my opinion. Uh, a few years ago, the Patriots took Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan on day two and surprised some people. Who was your hidden gem for the Patriots this year? Well, I was at the NFL PA Bowl when this guy jumped on the scene and Marpe Batu out of uh, – Sacramento State. State. He reminded me so much of you, Ryan, because he's built like a French fry. So this is someone that will be able to. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Wait. Buckle up. Uh, but he was, he, he plays so Is it the Waifley French fry? Is it's it the, the round it's the ones? ones. Yeah. The crunchy <laughs> ones. It's the shoestring ones. That's, that's what Ryan, and he's golden like Ryan. Too, oh, so. thank you. Thank when you think about someone that's 6'2", 219, I'm glad you brought up Kyle Duggar because that's a perfect example of Bill Belichick going versatile with defensive backs that can play across the board. Now, he is someone that can play that linebacker role. He can play that safety role. He can play down shallow and do a great job covering the alley. So for me, he's an athletic defensive player that can move across the back end, and we know it's a matchup league. So he's someone that can match up on game day and have success. The Patriots took uh, a kicker and a punter. I was actually sad that they didn't take a long snapper to hit the, the trifecta there, uh, maybe next year. All right, let's go down to Buffalo, where the expectations are Super Bowl every year. They haven't quite gotten there yet. Who is your best pick for the Buffalo Bills? Osiris Torrance, the offensive lineman from Florida. But because Rick is here and he reminded me of this, it's the University of Louisiana, actually. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Go. But I love Osiris Torrance. He was my number two guard in this class. And he is someone, once he blocks you, it's a wrap. 
get ready for the next play because you're not going to get past him. He does a great job in the run game. Buffalo needed help on the defensive and on offensive interior. I think that's where Josh Allen sees a lot of his pressure and where he has a lot of issues trying to step up in the pocket. Now that's going to be solved with Osiris Torrance. He is someone that starred at Louisiana, stepped up in competition to the SEC, starred from day one and became a dominant player. He's a fun, fun player to watch on film and one of my better players to watch uh, in his draft class. Yeah, he's an earth mover, and he was certainly a lot of fun to watch. And it was hard to tell that he hadn't been playing in the SEC his entire life. Rick, I'll ask you, more important for this bill, see Osiris Torrance on the inside of their first-round pick, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. Yeah, I like Dalton Kincaid. Uh, this guy will come in and play. He's a good football player. He's a guard only, so he doesn't have position flexibility. So when you draft a guard this high, I know he slipped some because everybody thought he was going to go in the first round that put, plug and play him and just put him at guard, right guard, left guard, wherever you think he's going to play and just go. Uh, but I do love Kincaid because I think that's going to give him another offensive weapon. Um, you know, we talked about, and I talked a little bit about, they need a slot receiver. So I thought maybe they lean if Zay Jones was there or someone like that. But Kincaid is almost like a giant slot receiver yeah. because he's not a true Y on the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. Y, uh, but he's going to create mismatches in the passing game from the slot because they're going to put linebackers and safeties on him and he's going to be able to run by them and use his athletic skill set to make plays. And he blocks like a small slot receiver at times. Absolutely. Too. He needs to work on that. Uh, Osiris Torrance, by the way, 47 starts, exactly zero sacks allowed. That certainly gets your attention. Who is your hidden gem in Buffalo? This right. is fascinating because they lose Tremaine Edmonds in the offseason, so you have to get another long, athletic, cover linebacker Dorian Williams out of Tulane you go watch Tulane play this year phenomenal season for the green wave but defensively they had a bunch of guys that can play multiple positions Williams to me was the best of the bunch defensively and he's someone that can cover he's someone that can play zone and he's also a pressure player now he needs to work on blitzing with a better plan sometimes he just crashes into things but at least you like the aggressiveness and the want to is there for him so I think this is a hidden gem defensively that could play next to what they already have uh, in Matt Milano. All right, let's head down to South Florida, where the Miami Dolphins only had four picks in this draft. Who's your best pick for the Miami Dolphins? I mean, you just keep finding these running backs, man. This is a great <laughs> running back class. This reminds me a lot of 2017, but Devon A-Chain uh, was the best pick here because when you compare game-breaking speed, Olympic speed, with his zone blocking scheme and the lanes and the gaps that he's going to find, he ran through so much trash at Texas A&M, yeah. it wasn't even funny. He won't have that issue here with this run game that they draw up there in, uh, in Miami. So I feel like he's going to hit a lot of home runs uh, in the run game. But also as a returner, that's where he's going to step on the field right away, Ryan, and he's going to do a great job in that role as well. Rick, we talk all the time about fits for the quarterbacks. How about this fit in that Mike McDaniel offense that's heavy on the run? Yeah, you look at all the running backs that had success in the San Francisco, and he was, you know, the run game coordinator while right. he was out with San Fran. But A-Chain, to me, is a phenomenal running back. He is small, but he plays like a big back. And a lot of times when I watched him on tape, you see these small running backs that are speed guys. They like to utilize their speed and bounce it outside right away. What he does is he is patient and almost runs like a big back, and he's not afraid to stick his foot in the ground and go up in the briar patch and get with the rest <laughs> of the guys. So this guy is going to be a very good football player. He fits the style of back that the Miami Dolphins want, that Mike McDaniel want. 
So I think this is a great pick for him. Well, a quick question, Rick, and then we'll move on. Uh, what kind of stress does the Devon A. Chain, Jalen Waddell, and Cheetah put on a defense? <laughs> like, you're the defensive coordinator. What, what's your plan? Huh? You better start drafting some dudes that can run. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's the lesson there. So uh, get it right on draft day. Otherwise, you're going to be uh, hurt and come the fall. All right. Let's go to the AFC North. Let's go to the, one of the best teams in the history of football. BMAX, Pittsburgh Steelers. What was their best pick in your mind, Emory? Joey Porter Jr. because he's a legacy guy and, you know, he's one of these guys that fell into their laps at pick 32. You had to take him because you needed someone that could play on the outside. Physical corner, press skills are uncanny because of his long arms. Come from a well-coached program uh, at Penn State when he was with, you know, his, his defense. And what they did out there was allowed him to press guys on the outside. So I feel like with Pittsburgh's combination of need at the position combined with the type of player they got in Porter Jr. was a great pick. All right, I, I agree, and I think they had a, a great draft. They had players fall to them that they didn't necessarily expect. Look at Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. He lasted till the 93rd pick. He was regularly going in the first round of some of these mock drafts, and we'll see how that progresses for him in Pittsburgh. Who was your hidden gem for Pittsburgh Steelers? It's not the sexy position, but Keanu Benton of, you know, out there as a nose tackle is phenomenal player. We were all down there uh, in Mobile and watched him have a fantastic week of work just moving guys out. He had offensive linemen looking like cows on skates. So when you talk <laughs> about someone playing that physical up front in the run game, just getting Pittsburgh better defensively is always a great thing for that organization. And Rick, in case you're wondering, my hidden gems for this team, both Nick Herbig and Corey Trice. So Make a note, and we can talk about that yep. in the fall. Yep. <laughs> we'll regrade the regrades. We'll, we'll go and grade and regrade and regrade again. <laughs> I, think, I think Rick is done with the draft. <laughs> All right, let's go on to Baltimore, where they just stockpile wide receivers, both young and old, and they got a dude in the first round in Zay Flowers. Part of his game memory reminds me of A.B. at his best. Antonio Brown in his prime. Who was your best pick for the Baltimore Ravens? It was Zay Flowers because of what you mentioned. You talk about A.B. in his prime. I'll go one step further just to make Rick mad. I'm going to say Tyreek Hill because he's so explosive <laughs> in all directions. Rick's mad. Look, look at the film. That's I, I watched the film. That's, that's so much speed right there. That's Tyreek Hill. But in all seriousness, Rick, how frustrating is it for you, know, you as an evaluator when you're watching someone this dynamic and knowing he's going to an offense and you saw him open so much and, you know, at Boston College, but he didn't have the quarterback play. Now he's going into a situation where he's going to probably be your third option, but he's going to be your home run hitter at the position. Yeah, but I would bet you $100 that oh, if you put him next to Cheetah on the start line, that Cheetah's going to well, beat him in a 40, there's a no 60, 100, 120. So I'm just saying, the, the speed thing, he is fast, but he's not Cheetah Yeah, he's fast. not. He's, he's explosive right. in all directions. That's where the comp goes. Um, and, again, Flowers, to me, really helps out this offense because, yeah, they've drafted a lot of receivers for Lamar Jackson. They've drafted a lot of receivers. But this is probably the one position where the Ravens have not had success. If you can trust Baltimore to draft O-line, corners, edge rushers, running backs, they could uh, nail those. Uh, but wide receivers, they seem to whiff. But I don't think they whiff with Zay Flowers. No, no. I think – I think – Rick, you would agree with this. Zay Flowers is oh, I'm, he, He's a heck of a receiver. He's going to make immediate impact oh, as a rookie. I'm just saying the cheetah comparison. Oh, yeah. Was, he's yeah, yeah he's it fat, kind of yeah. dropped me to the floor almost. <laughs> Took you back. Put your seatbelt on. We don't want you falling out of the chair there. But you would agree that Zay is better than, than Hollywood coming out, right? Oh, yeah. 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 The former no. first-round pick who is now in Arizona. All right. 
best hidden gem for the Ravens. I'll just mention quickly, they have a history of taking guys who have injury concerns. David Ajabo last year towards Achilles. They got him cheapish in the second round. They also got Andrew Voorhees, the offensive lineman at USC this year, toward his ACL, unfortunately, at the Combine. And he has a chance, in my mind, to, to, to possibly have been a, a late day two, early day three pick. They get him in, in the seventh round. But who is your hidden gem for the Ravens? Caillou Blue Kelly. We, we saw him have success uh, in the postseason as well. And he's someone, again, they need corner help. Stevens was out there, Brandon Stevens, good player, but was a former running back, now trying to play corner in the NFL, and we saw how that worked out for him. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was ready to be thrust out there on a perimeter. Teams was targeting him specifically throughout the back end of the season. So Caillou Blue Kelly, to me, is someone that can help them out in a position of need and is still able to bring back a Marcus Peters if they want to. He was one of the corners down to the Senior Bowl that really popped out to me. I liked him on tape, didn't love him, and then I saw the way he moved down to the Senior Bowl, and I thought he had one of the best practices at the position down there. By the way, that's a Flowers pick. The Ravens have never had a Pro Bowl wide receiver in 27 seasons. Longest active trial in the NFL. It's hard to wrap your brain around that. All right, let's go to Cincinnati. They're okay at wide receiver, whether they drafted anyone at all this weekend or not. Who is your favorite pick for the Bengals? I like that they keep addressing that defensive line. Miles Murphy, to me, was one of the more underrated uh, pass rushers. Some people thought he was too nice of a player, but I just like the fact that he plays the run well. He also shows an ability to have a long arm staff to really anchor at the, at the point of attack and also can get to the quarterback. So I like his skill set. I think going to Cincinnati gives him an opportunity to fit in within that rotation and continue to stockpile guys that can get after the quarterback in that division with those athletic quarterbacks is always a great thing. We know about Jamar Chase and, and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and I said they don't necessarily need receivers. They drafted two of them, which is interesting, including Andre Yeshivas, Ida Princeton, the heptathlete. Who was your hidden gem for Cincinnati? It was Charlie Jones from Purdue. I feel like he's always open. You know, we talk about Zay Flowers, so you're frustrated watching him just be open all day and no one's throwing in the football. Well, they got Charlie Jones the football at Purdue. Aiden O'Connor did a great job in finding him. And he's someone that may be the heir apparent to a Tyler Boyd last year of his deal, Ooh, possibly. Wait. You got Rick's yeah. attention but, there. So, you know, you draft. As long as they play zone coverage against him, don't <laughs> press him in man coverage because he's got to learn how to get off the line of scrimmage. That's why you keep him inside. <laughs> you keep him off the line of scrimmage. He doesn't want that physical discussion at the point of attack. So, yeah, Charlie Jones, to me, is someone, your quintessential slot receiver. And I think he's going to take in that role very well, can play special teams, but I, I feel like this was a future pick for Cincinnati. By the way, Charlie Jones transferred from Buffalo to Iowa and then to Purdue. Imagine being in Iowa thinking, you know what, we don't need you. We can score six points on our own uh, against whoever they're playing. Who are they playing, San Diego? South Dakota, South Dakota State. South Dakota State. But sure. that's South Dakota State. Didn't they end up winning the uh, Jack Rabbit's did win the championship? Yeah, they did. They're an FCS program going up against a Big Ten team. I know, but they yeah, won a national championship. They are a good football team. Could they have used Charlie Jones? No. They had uh, <laughs> Tucker Craft. And they had both the Yankee twins, the yeah. receivers. I'm talking about Iowa could have used. Oh, Iowa oh, was well, using everything. Offensive. No, but, yeah, he would have wasted his time. Yeah, he would have wasted exactly. his time. Exactly. All right, speaking of wasting our time. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, give me strength. All right, let's go, to, let's go to Cleveland, see what's going on in Cleveland there. They didn't have a first-round pick as well. What did you like about what they did in this draft? Well, Ryan, I'm going to talk specifically to you because I know Rick wants to throw his, his, his laptop at me. Can I go? Uh, I think I'll go. You can take this you, segment off. take a segment off. Because I'm going to say DeWine Jones. I love DeWine Jones, big mammoth guy. He's not quite Flozell, the Hotel Adams out there on the perimeter, but he's someone that is a big offensive lineman. Yes, he had an outstanding day 
at the Senior Bowl before he pulled one up. Day. One day, he did what he had to do, pulled up. I thought he probably tweeted And did nothing else the rest of the, uh, the whole draft process. process. Yet he finds himself in, Cle in Cleveland on an offensive line that can use him. I think he's a plug-and-play right tackle only type player, but up front on that offensive line, Needs to, uh, they need that help up there for Cleveland. I think Dewan Jones, they got themselves a really good one in the offensive tackle. So, Rick, they got Dewan Jones. They also got Siaki Ika, both guys that had first round buzz at certain points. I, I think you, you would agree. I'm guessing that those are great places to draft these players on the upside. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. This, this, they're not, I mean, it's a lot lower risk. So, if they do fail, it's not a big of a financial hit, especially towards your cap. So, and you give these guys usually a couple years before you determine whether they are uh, hits or busts. Right. Quick question, Rick. With his weight, how much does weight factor in? Like, man, can he control this? I know he dropped weight, but how much are you worried about Why do you think weight? he dropped? Not weight. weight. But in the yeah, draft. <laughs> exactly right. That makes sense. That answers that, that was question. funny? Yeah. yeah. He's um, dropped, not weight, but in the draft. Ryan, I hate him, man. Thank <laughs> thankfully, they're showing the graphic to, to hide how hilariously hard I'm laughing. All right. Uh, um, oh, let's, uh, I want to take a break so, poor, uh, so badly. But first, we've got to do the hidden gem. Uh, Luke Whipler, to me, jumps out as the hidden gem, the center that had uh, some top 75 buzz last until pick 190. Who are you going with, Emory? I'm going with Cedric Tillman. I feel like everyone just watched the Alabama game and got stuck on Hyatt and kept talking about him all throughout the process. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that last year, Tillman was a big dog out there. You go back and watch that Music City Bowl against Purdue and watch him just do great things going deep down the field. But as we talk about with Wilson from Stanford and all these other guys, if he's healthy, that's the big caveat. So for me, if he can stay healthy, they have someone that can put on, that can play on the outside. And Cleveland has quietly put together a type. They like these guys at a 6'2", 6'3", 215, and he fits the mold. No, I think that's right. I think it's a good pick, and it that, that's right. a pretty solid draft for a team that didn't have a first-round pick. All right, we're going to take a break here. I may or may not be back. If I am back, <laughs> I will finally get to talk with the First Pick Podcast. Back right after this. The most handsome graphic you'll ever see, Ryan Wilson, Rick Spielman, Emory Hunt, back with you here. It's going to be Sports HQ with the First Pick Podcast. We are now headed to the AFC South, in particular Houston Texans, who had the number two pick. And Rick and Emery, they found a way to get the number three pick. We talked about that earlier with that trade with the Arizona Cardinals. My favorite pick for this one is, Emery likes to say, it's chalk. I'm going C.J. Stroud. They also got Will Anderson, who is a candidate certainly for the best pick in this draft for the Texans. But, Rick, you've talked about this. You cannot have a quarter, cannot come out of this draft if you're Houston Texans without getting a quarterback. They had two first-rounders at 2-12 and 12 to start the draft process. I can't imagine a situation, and let me ask you, have you thought about this uh, as a general manager, letting your, another team in your division, in this case, had the Colts gotten C.J. Stroud, they beat you twice a year, and you have to answer those questions to your owner or your fan base. Yeah, no, and they needed the, the quarterback. And then C.J., you heard all the smoke coming out right before the draft and the S2 tests, and he's mm -hmm. not, you know, he scored very low on that. But like we had talked about in some earlier shows, that's just a total score, but when you dig down and you look at each category that they're graded in, right. he probably graded very high what was specifically important for the quarterback position. So we never paid attention to the overall score. We paid attention to the scores that required and that were weighted for that position. And that's important in things that often sometimes you don't hear the entire story, and I'm glad you're able to, to shed some light on that. Uh, my hidden gem was, was Tank Dell. And mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, because you have a better memory than me somehow, but we talked to him at the Combine, and he's one of eight brothers and sisters and a wrestler. Was that right? Yeah. No, yeah. He had a pretty unique – when you found him, and like we – He's tough, though. <laughs> you didn't say that to his face. You didn't say that to his face. He's, yeah, he, he was one that you don't want to mess with. He had an edge to him. 
He was incredibly tough. And let me ask you, Emory, because you were at the Senior Bowl with us. Uh, you have Tank Dell. You have Darius Davis out of TCU. You have Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati. They're all in the same bucket, so to speak. What did you like about Tank Dell? The fact that he is someone that explodes out of his break. And we saw yeah, it at the man. top of his Ooh. route and is able to quickly separate. Now, full caveat, one-on-one -on -one drills are heavily slanted toward the wide receiver, especially receivers. Unless you're Darius Rush, the cornerback out of South Carolina. Right, because he was locked up one-on-one -on -one of these guys, picking off passes. But if you're a receiver like Or Dale, Michael Wilson, who can't separate out of coverages, but we're, we're past that. We're past that. <laughs> but he's also a 50-50 guy, and um, he looks a lot like Ryan, too. So, you see, yeah, I won't go that far, but you know, <laughs> I would say Dell is someone, because of his quickness in and out of his break, is the reason why you think about the type of offense they're going to try to run, the type of passing game you try to run, guys that can think quick on their feet, guys that can get open quick, and Dell is someone that can do that. All right, let's go to Indianapolis here and look at, look at their, their best pick. And again, I'm going chalk because you, you're not doing anything without a quarterback. Emory, I'll come right back to you. They took Anthony Richardson there, which shocked some people because Will Levis was thought to be in that conversation. I think if C.J. Stroud had slipped, maybe he would have been in the conversation. We'll never know. Anthony Richardson, athletically, what does he do for that team in Shane Steichen's offense? He makes it so dynamic. And when you think about athletic quarterbacks like Richardson playing with great tailbacks, I always bring up this example. CJ2K was CJ2K with Vince Young. He was CJ1300 with everybody else. <laughs> Mark, uh, he look at Michael Vick and Warwick Dunn had his best yards per carry average when they were paired together. Anthony Richards is going to help out Jonathan Taylor's yards per carry average. And he's someone, because of his athletic ability like we're seeing here, he can be brought along slowly. He's much more ready to play than people give him credit for. Has a beautiful deep ball yeah, where he can connect on that more accurately than he does everything else. It's the short stuff that you want him to work on and be more consistent there. But I feel like his run, his run game help will help him get on the field from game one. Yeah, let me ask you a question, Ryan, since this is your pick. Do you start him or do you start Garden Minshew? How do you going to, or how do you handle that heading into a week one of the opener? Let me answer that question as you've answered to me as a general manager. Uh, let's go through OTAs and training camp. Uh, <laughs> I would look. Here, I, here's honestly, my canned answer. <laughs> I respect everything. You and Emory have done to get prepared for this show. <laughs> here's the thing. Like you said that, and there's some truth to that. But I think also you don't want to push him out there too soon. And maybe this sounds soft, but you can affect his, his confidence, right? It's like one of those, uh, well, you're from the South, right? The yeah. hunting dogs, if you shoot a shotgun over their head, exactly. next thing you know, you're chasing them in a rabbit hole <laughs> exactly. trying to bring them out. We had that conversation in one of the podcasts, why I never it. become a hunter. He had to carry the 90-pound dog back to the truck because he scared him. He's scared him, right? Yeah. So yeah. you find out right away if you throw him out there. Yeah, well, I think that's true. And he ended up being a great house pet. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want a backup quarterback that you take fourth overall. So you got to ease them into the waters. I think Gardner Minshew can hold the fort down maybe five, six, seven, eight weeks. You can have packages for Anthony Richardson and ease him in that way. Are you throwing him out there day one? I'm throwing him out there day one. We take, we, we took him high. We, and he's better than Gardner Minshew. Well, you know, come on. Of course he is. So why not just play him? You can't learn anything from someone you're better than. You know, so that's why you got to <laughs> throw him out there right away. So I think that's the best bet for him. Because to Rick's point, you either sink or swim, and you'll find out quickly what you have from a dog perspective uh, with your guy if you throw him out there. But if you bring him along too quickly and you shatter his confidence right. and you're saying – He's not the right guy. You shouldn't have drafted him to begin with if he, didn't, if he didn't have that confidence. Let's look at what's happening in Florham Park with Zach Wilson and his shattered confidence. Now you start to question whether or not, dang, was he the guy? Should we throw him out there? But if he didn't respond the way you expect him to respond, then you got your answer right there. I still will believe in Zach Wilson, though, by the way. And I, you know, not to get off a different topic, but I think with Aaron Rodgers coming in, it takes all the pressure off him. He can sit yeah. back and maybe recheck. Takes some pressure off Joe Douglas as well. 
because he had two uh, yeah. rookie of the years last True. year. He brought in Aaron Rodgers, so that's going to buy some time. And the I don't think the Zach Wilson story is over yet. And by the way, Brock Purdy took a lot of pressure off Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance and winning all those football games helps too. So winning in New York or wherever, Indianapolis is certainly going to help. Let's go to my hidden gym. And Rick, there are a couple of options here. Darius Rush, who we loved uh, at the at the Senior Bowl, and I just mentioned to Emory there. And Josh Downs, the wide receiver out of UNC. I went with Josh Downs. Uh, he's in the, the smallest bucket when we talk about these guys, the Marvin Mims, uh, those sorts of players there. Your thoughts on Josh Downs and what he does for Indianapolis? Who Boy, they had all of your favorite guys. You and Chris uh, Ballard must have uh, yeah, collided yeah. or colluded. Evan Hull, the, wide, the running back as well at Northwestern. He was that offense. My guy Julius Brents, of course. But I went with Josh Downs. What do you think about him uh, in that offense with Alec Pierce, their second-round pick last year? Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., who's yeah. looking to have a good season. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, they let Paris Campbell go. Yep. So now he's going to come in and replace him. And I think he's is a more polished slot than Paris. Paris Campbell was almost like a gadget guy because uh, he was a great athlete coming out of Ohio State, but he really never developed into what they thought they were going, he was going to develop in. So I think that this guy is going to come in, Downs is going to come in, replace Paris Campbell, and be a better, more productive slot than Paris Campbell was. All right, going to Tennessee here. Last year in the third round, they took Malik Willis. They apparently are not sold on Malik Willis because they traded up to pick 33 early on day two to get Will Levis. There were some conversations that they tried to trade into the first round to get Will Levis. Clearly that didn't happen, so he spent the night one night longer in Kansas City. Uh, Rick, I'll come back to you. Is this a good fit for Will Levis? We just talked about Anthony Richardson not having to start right away, or if you're Emory, maybe you push him out there. What are you doing with Will Levis with Ryan Tannehill, 35 years old, in the final year of his Yeah, team? I think both the quarterbacks we just talked about, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, it would behoove them there you go. to sit back behind a veteran to get their feet wet, don't force them in too early and let them learn because both of them have tremendous ability. But I think him behind Tannehill, uh, give him an opportunity to maybe learn decision-making because that's an issue with yeah. him. Decision-making for Anthony Richardson because that's an issue with him as well. So these, both of these players, except Anthony Richardson, I mean, you, you love Gard Minshew. You would throw him in. Yeah. I don't know. If, yeah, yeah. But at least they have someone that's functional as a starting quarterback if they want to force him in uh, right away. Let me ask you a serious question because you, we were at the pro day. Uh, we talked to him at the combine. His upper body strength makes him look like a, an, off, uh, an edge rusher. Are you having conversations before you draft him? Are you having conversations after he's in the building about getting him on a workout routine that makes him more flexible? Well, you never want to have those conversations, any conversations after everything or any issue that you have with a player, any red flag that you have with him. You want to make sure that you have those conversations before you end up drafting him because if you draft him, don't have the answers to the questions, then you're going to make a mistake. All right, let's talk about the hidden gem. Derrick Henry is the dude, and that, that offense runs through Derrick Henry, and I think that helps Will Levis or, or whoever's under center for the Titans. But they got Ty J. Spears, a dude out of Tulane. He looks nothing like uh, Derrick Henry. He looks like me standing next to you. But tell me about That's Ty true. J. Spears because he is special. Yeah, he is special. He has great explosiveness, and it was shocking to see him fall, but it was even more shocking to find out why he fell. Yeah. No ACL. But when you combine that with how explosive he is, it didn't make sense because he's able to hit that reacceleration like you want to see, able to shift gears and, and find that second and third gear. 
this helps them continue to stay dynamic in the run game and stay explosive. You hope he has an extended career, be more on the Thurman Thomas side as opposed to you know, a short inside. But I, I root for the kid because he was the spark plug that led this Tulane uh, resurgence, and they had a lot of fun uptown because uh, they were winning a lot of big games. USC sticks out. Yeah. Is there anyone outside of Louisiana that you do like? It's tough, man. It's the best state in the in, 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 I'm sorry. It's the state of New Orleans. Louisiana is something else. Okay. New Orleans is its own property. It's like okay. New Orleans, DC. Okay. New Orleans, DC. District of New Orleans. All right, we got it. <laughs> By the way, you talk about Will Loves being thirty third overall pick. Andy Dalton, Geno Smith, Derek Carr, and Jalen Hurts, those are all quarterbacks selected in round two to make the the, the excuse me, the Pro Bowl the last twenty years. All right, let's go to Jacksonville. And, I mean, they continue to crush things with Doug Peterson and, and Trent Baalke and, of course, franchise quarterback Trevor Lawrence. The best pick for me, and, and, and we're going to come right back to you because this is your dude as well, Tank Bigsby, what better gift for a young quarterback than a dude who can just carry the ball for you, get four or five or six yards every time he touches it? What I love about the fit here for him is that when you think about someone in uh, Travis Etienne, He's the pace setter. He can be the pace setter. He can be the guy that can step in and, you know, wear down the defense. And now you bring in a Travis Etienne, and he's going to hit the home run. So you find someone that needs volume. He's a straight downhill runner, doesn't waste time getting north and south. And to me, that's something that they needed. That's something that's going to help enhance their run game. It's going to help prolong Travis Etienne's career. So I love the fit here specifically for Bigsby. My hidden gem is Penn State tight end. Brent Strange, we talked about him last night, Rick, and I'll just come back to you. You didn't like my comp, although you sort of did. Tommy Trimble blocking you like, Tommy Trimble catching not so much. But this guy is incredibly athletic. He loves to block. Evan Ingram isn't going to necessarily block for you. He's only on the franchise tag, so you have to sort out whether you're going to keep Evan Ingram or not at, at a premium. And you have uh, Brenton Strange here who can be there for the next four years. Yeah, I want to ask you, I just want to throw something, but do you think he is just an H-back? Or do you think he can play on a line of scrimmage and be a true Y or a traditional tight end? I think his best football is ahead of him. And if you're willing to block, that gets you as in line. Okay, we're in a draft meeting, and I just okay. asked you a direct question. Yes. And you went down some rabbit hole that I don't know, I didn't want to hear. <laughs> can he line up and play yeah. Y, traditional Y tight end on a line of scrimmage? Yes. Why? Because he will block you into the stands. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. God, you get so mad in these podcasts. <laughs> he gave me the okay, Henry. He just said okay. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Then. Okay. Moving Sorry. on. Uh, most tight ends selected in the first two rounds of the common draft era. Six in this draft class. You have to go back to 1973 for the last time that happened. Let's head out to the AFC West where the Raiders have their quarterback in Jimmy G, but they did get him some help. And I'll ask you, Rick, because... No, uh, I'm going to ask you. You keep asking me. There you go, Rick. Go ahead. Take control. Well, you've drafted tight ends that have had success at Minnesota. Yeah. How important is Michael Mayer in a post-George uh, Kittle world and post-Darren Waller, because he's no longer in Las Vegas, for Jimmy G as the quarterback uh, looking to find his way uh, in that Josh McDaniel offense? Yeah, well, he's probably the most complete tight end in this draft class. He may not be the most athletic but he may be the best blocker at the line of scrimmage besides the Washington, the kid from Georgia. Uh, he's not overly twitchy as far as getting into all his cuts, but he's very smooth and he knows how to get open more. He relies on his route savvy. This guy may be the best contested catch tight end I've seen in a long time. Uh, he can be a threat in the red zone. He's not overly athletic after the catch, but he's going to run through people. 
So this is a very solid pick for them in a tight end that really fills a need. Yeah, Mayer was my best pick for the Raiders. He led all tight ends in receptions, 180, and receiving yards in the last two seasons. He's going to get an opportunity to certainly do that uh, in Las Vegas. The Raiders had a really good draft, man. Jacorian Bennett, we've talked about, he played opposite uh, Dante, Deontay Banks in Maryland. He ended up going to the fourth round. Chris Smith out of Georgia is a really hard-hitting, undersized safety. He went in round five. But I'll ask you, Emery, about my guy, my hidden gem, Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati, because we just talked about someone who plays a lot like him in Tank Dell. So tell me about Trey Tucker. Played with Tyler Scott in Cincinnati, and they were incredibly dynamic in that offense. Yeah, quick starters, guys that can get open quickly. And, again, when you think about what this offense is going to be, working well underneath, and how well can you handle uh, after the catch? Can you be a great rack guy? Can you be someone that can extend and get the first down? I think Tucker can do that. And I find that the fact that he's going to the Raiders and they're going to try to play this quick game because that's where Jimmy G tends to excel. So you want to line him with guys that are catching run guys. And I think Tucker is, is uh, excellent in that regard. Plus, again, you've I've noticed you've liked a lot of guys that are 5'9", 182. You know what's up? You have a, yeah, okay, I just want to know. I want to make sure. The people want to know. All right. Well, I'm going to throw you a curveball here because we're going to Los Angeles with the Chargers. Justin Herbert, a little bit taller than me, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We got him a little help the Chargers did in the first round, and that is going to be my best pick. Quentin Johnson out of TCU. He is 6'3 and change, about 215. Ran in the 4'5s. I thought he played faster than that. I thought he was good at all three levels. So how is this not a good fit for what they have with Mike Williams, what they have in Keenan Allen, who's getting a little to bar Rick's term long in the tooth and I think he is an immediate upgrade and I'll put it to you this way would you rather have had someone like Zay Flowers in this offense or is Quentin Johnson get the job done because he's such a huge target I think either one would have been fine but I feel like we're looking at Quentin Johnson the wrong way we're seeing him as this deep threat but you see how he's catching the football he doesn't have good hand technique so I think he's a better inside slot guy or guy that could be a catch and run threat we talk about what they have going vertically down the field you get him, I think we saw glimpses of that in that Michigan game where they threw the, the low crosser and got him the football, and he was able to run 70-plus yards for a touchdown. I think that's where he can do a lot of damage within this offense. Big man with small man movement skills. Yep. Bingo. You would say that a lot. All right, Rick, my hidden gem, and you are the, the first-round draft pick for names. It's the defensive lineman out of USC. You want me to do it or are you going to do <laughs> nah, it? No, Rick got this. We talked to him, Rick. <laughs> To Pelotu. Oh, he got there it. Go. Two lead, two below two out of USC. He's listed at 6'3", 266 here. He was in the program guide during the fall. It was 290. I don't know if he ever played at that weight. Uh, we talked about this with Pete Prisco, Rick, that the Chargers draft these guys on the inside and they can't stop the run. Does Tui Pelotu help in that regard, or are you thinking more of him as an outside guy? Yeah, there, he's a tweener right now. I think if you want to play inside, he's going to have to add some weight. There is some twitch to him. Yeah. I don't think he's a true edge speed rusher but he knows how to work the edges of blockers. So I think they can use him multiple ways as an inside rusher or as an outside rusher. Um, but if you're going to pull, put him fully inside, he's going to have to add weight. No, I think that's right. And, you know, we talked to him at the Combine, and he, he's a great kid, and I think he's got a good future ahead of him. Not a lot of buzz about him, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be a good football player. It's just a matter of finding the right position to, for him. All right, let's go to the home of the defending uh, Super Bowl champs there, home can, can of I, the draft. Can I say, what can I say your this guy's name? I've been, oh, of course. Oh, you, yeah, he's he's pumped now. He, he got this one. He jumped up. Yeah, he just learned how to do arithmetic. He was telling everyone math problems. Long division. Felix and Aduki 
Anaduke Uzama. All right, clip that striker because that will be going viral shortly. That's my best pick for the Kansas City Chiefs, the edge rusher out of Kansas State. And, and Rick, you saw him live, so I'll ask you about what you thought about him because you liked him in the fall. I was less keen on him. but Yeah, because you were with your love fest with yeah. Juju Brents, but there are other players on that <laughs> roster that actually are pretty good. And so the issue was when you watch a team and you're breaking down tape, just don't focus on the one you love. Love the one you're with, and there's a lot of them to love on that. On the... <laughs> All right. So, Rick. Uh, yeah, Rick, Rick talking about Anna Dukey. So tell me about why FAU should while he will have success, because one of the issues that you pointed out when we had this conversation in the fall is that maybe he's not playing in the right position. I, uh, you threw me off there. I thought you were talking about Florida Atlantic. No, he got me too. He got me too. Phoenix Center, DK Uzama is what I, I call him FAU. Okay. Is that, does he go by that? He does for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, this guy is a edge pass rusher, another guy that pins his ears back. They reduced him some down inside. I watched him live in the Alabama down at the Sugar Bowl. But when they put him in a wide nine technique or outside the uh, offensive tackle shoulder, he can bend and dip at the edge. And he has extremely uh, explosive first step quickness. And he can find a quarterback. And he will pursue and chase all the way to the whistle ends. Needs to get a little stronger at the point. But I think he's an immediate help uh, as a pass rusher. Right, they got rid of Frank Clark, so they have some, some things, some holes to fill there on the edge. My hidden gem was Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma. We spent a lot of time talking about Anton Harrison, the left tackle out of Oklahoma, who ended up going to the first round. Wanya Morris was interesting because we all saw him at the Senior Bowl, and we're like, okay, this guy, he's not messing around. And I think what he provides in Kansas City is some depth with an opportunity to get some playing time. They signed Jawan Taylor out of uh, Jacksonville. They have intentions of playing him on the left side. That'll be interesting to watch unfold. But Wanya Morris will give them depth early on. I'll be honest, like, I didn't love this Kansas City. Because you were focusing on Anton Harrison again. You got to. No, I, oh. love, I like Morris. I said the overall oh. draft that wasn't crazy about for the, for the Chiefs. Okay. Like Rashid Rice. So I should be a better listener. It's up to you. No, nah, you're all right, Rick. It's up to you. <laughs> Not that, that we talking about anything else except when I was talking? <laughs> no, no, no. no. You're okay. Good. We were just going through the motions. All right, let's go to uh, Denver, where Russ Wilson needs to, to figure some things out. And I think, Emery, I'll come to you first. I think this helps, goes a long way in doing that. Uh, they got Marvin Mims, the wide receiver at Oklahoma. We talked about the smallest wide receivers. He's 5'11", but he's only about 180. Ran in the four threes. We talked to him at the combine. He is sharp as a tack. He has an edge to him, and he is an absolute playmaker. He well, plays inside or out. I'll get to you in a second here. I'm OC, sorry. he's going to play inside at the next level. Rick will tell you. He has returnability. Why you like him? Well, I'll worry about the fit because yeah, okay. you have Sutton, you have Judy, you have Tim Patrick coming back healthy. K.J. Hamler. K.J. Hamler still there with the same, same type of guy. Now it's a new coaching staff, new regime. What do I want to do? But Mims, I love the player, love the fit uh, in terms of what he can do. But where is he going to fit, Rick? Well, Look at the durability of all the guys that you just. Great point. And, okay. <laughs> and who says one of those don't get moved before the start of the yeah. season, especially if, you know, as a general manager, if you have a bucket full at the position, that there's opportunities to potentially move those guys uh, right before the season if other teams have significant injuries as well. So yeah, you always, yeah, you, you, you always, you can never have enough. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift just got moved because they had a bucket for right. running backs. And the other Detroit. thing, too, I just want to make a point, yeah. is that what Detroit did with Hawkinson, what Detroit did with um, Swift, Swift yeah. is that they were coming up on their rookie deals. They're not going to resign them. Or they made a decision as an organization, okay, we're not going to take that type of money 
and spend it on those players because they're good players, but you're going to have to pay. Now I can go ahead and draft, get a cheaper player that is going to be just as good, uh, and then I can move and gain extra draft capital. So if a team doesn't want to sign them or know they're not going to sign them to an extension, then go ahead and move them. And I thought Brad Holmes has done a phenomenal job doing that. Now he gets heat outside. How can you give away Hawkinson? How can you get right. away Swift? Look who's coming in, Laporta and Gibbs. Yeah, and you could argue pretty easily that those are upgrades. Yeah. And they got something in return in the trade value. All right, my hidden gem for the Broncos. They got Drew Sanders, a player I liked a lot that had some first-round buzz, the off-ball linebacker slash edge rusher out of Arkansas by way of Alabama. And then Riley Moss, Rick's Riley Moss. He ran in the 4-4s. I didn't think he played that fast, but, Rick, he is one of the smartest players in this draft. You brought me around on him. Tell me about Riley Moss and whether he's going to play outside slot or maybe. What do you think? Do you think he's going to play outside? I'll tell you like I tell. I mean, this is your sleeper. He's not a sleeper in my opinion, but you can pick the low-hanging well, fruit. Well, it's not low. You thought he's a first-round pick, so not a sleeper <laughs> in your eyes. But, you know, that's a conversation for another time. I think you start him at cornerback, the same conversation I had about Skaronsky. You put him out there at left tackle. Either you can do it or you can't, and then you move him inside. But I think he is so smart, and you, you've talked about this countless times. You don't have to be a genius to play cornerback, but you do have to be smart to play safety. And I think he's more than smart enough to, to be the, the captain of the defense, if you will. Yeah, no, he's a very good football player. I think he answered some questions down at the senior bowl as well. Yeah. Because you saw him in man coverage as a corner against the receivers. And, you know, the question, and you, you, you said this, can he run fast enough? Well, in my opinion, when he turned and ran with a lot of the speed receivers down at the senior bowl, there was no question he was going to be able to run. He's uh, instinctive. He yes. can find the ball in the air. And he's a solid run support. And he'll come up and hit you. Yeah, he did some things on tape that seemed like he was playing Eight D chess while everyone out there was playing checkers. Uh, speaking of playing checkers, Iowa has some pretty good football players. Didn't right, they? <laughs> they always do. Not on offense outside of Laporta, um, and maybe maybe Van Ness and Riley should be playing offense. Maybe that's the problem there. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Uh, draft season's officially over, guys. But we're not going anywhere. This draft podcast will be around forever with the first pick. Me and Rick Spielman. We'll get Emory Hunt on there, too. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.